what virus might. The disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Now, this is the part you need to hang on to. Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Jesus now living in the very last hours on earth. He had absolutely no time left. They're going to eat. He's going to go to the garden. He's going to pray. And then that's when it all starts snowballing from there. So he is at the very last time that he has with these men. And he knows what's ahead of himself. He knows what he's getting ready to get into. It's been revealed to him. He's known for a while what was getting ready to happen to him. So he was ready, but the disciples had no clue what was getting ready to take place. God, or Jesus himself was taking time with these men just for one last meal together. Now, the thing about Jesus that you need to understand, it's not written in the Bible. He's not frantic. He's not running around like a madman. He's not trying to, to tie up any loose ends or, or any unfinished business with anybody else. He's calm because he is in control. He knew what was going If you go and you look at that again, he even knew the man that was going to allow them to go into the upper room, in the upper chamber, and to, to prepare this meal. He knew it. He was in so much control that he knew where to send them so that they could do this. He had it under control. He had it right where it needed to be. So he sends the disciples ahead knowing that the, this certain man that was talking about had a room to celebrate that Passover. He, didn't, he had no doubt. He knew in his heart, he knew it was already planned out. God had already ordained this day. He had already set this day aside so that Jesus and the disciples could be together one last time. He was in complete control of it. He is always in complete control. We, we start, when we start to understand that Jesus himself is in control, that God has everything right where it needs to be, then this world and everything in it is going to be a much, much better place. It's going to change our lives forever. And I, I keep going back on this, what's going on around the world right now. I think if people would just stop and realize who is in control, I believe they'd get a, a greater peace about it. I believe that if they would, they would, they would have a change of heart, that they, it would change their life forever if they would just stop and realize that God is in complete control of this. He sent pestilence before. This ain't going to be the last pestilence he'll ever send us. Sometimes it just takes a great shaking for us to remember who he is, to stop and think on who he is and realize who he is and to make us open our eyes and see that he is in complete control of everything that takes place. He is in control. He's a sovereign God. We know that. The, the three things we always talk about when we talk about he's sovereign, is he's omniscient, he, he's all-knowing. He knows everything. He can answer your most trying question. It doesn't matter. You may be sitting there tonight, and you may be wondering, Lord, uh, when are we going to have a baby? Lord, when am I going to get married? Lord, when am I going to get over this sickness? Lord, when am I going to get saved? Lord, when am I going to get my life turned back around? you got to remember, he knows the answers to those questions. He knows all. He's all-knowing. The other thing, he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. The Bible tells us that he is strong enough to overcome the biggest obstacles in your life. Lord, I am addicted right now. And I'm going to leave it at just addicted because you can be addicted to anything. It's not just drugs and alcohol that we put it on. Lord, I'm addicted to such and such. And he is so powerful that he can get you through it. That's, what, that's how he works. He's omnipotent. He, is, he can do this because of the power that he has as God. He can pull you through it. 
He's omnipotent, and he's that powerful that he's going to get us through whatever, whatever valley that we're in right now. He will pull us through it. You've got to get down and ask him, Lord, pull me through it. Lord, here's my hand. Can you just lead me on through? I can't do this anymore. Lord, take me. And the third thing is he's omnipresent, which means he's all over the place. That's how we can have church tonight. That's how we can have church on Sundays. Because I can be right here behind this sacred desk, and you can be right there in your pajamas at home drinking your coffee, and he's still with us. And all these churches up and down the road, all these churches in all these states where they're not allowed to get together and congregate and fellowship, God's still in those, home, in those homes. He's with you right now. If you're sitting in your home and you've asked him to come in and, and fellowship with you, he's in there right now. He's omnipresent. He is all over the place. So whenever you, or wherever you may go, he's going to be right by your side. He's going to be right there with you. So, yeah, he's right here at the church with us. Me and Keith and James here tonight, Jesus is too. Marie and the girls sitting at home, Jesus is too. All these people that are, are watching live tonight, he's right there with you. He's omnipresent. And we need to understand that about him when we read this about the Last Supper. He was everywhere. He was with all those men that was with him. He was with them, the three, as they slept there at the garden. He was still with them. He may have went over yonder. He may have went a little further, the Bible says. He went a little further, and that's fine. But he was still back there with the three, and he was still back there with the other eight. He's still back there with Judas, too. We won't talk about that tonight. No matter what comes your way, the thing that we got to do is rejoice in knowing that your Father will be with you to work it out no matter what. No matter what the situation, he is going to be there with you. There's never a point when God is not in control. I can't think of a point in my life, a time in my life that I've ever been in, as bad as it might have been, when God wasn't in complete control. Even when I thought I had control of it, he still was in control of it. He may have let me test the waters a little bit to, to realize that I couldn't do it, but he was always in complete control of everything that took place and is always going to take place in my life. Number two, the Last Supper reveals that my sin is not hidden from God. Now go back over to verse 21 again. It said, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Judas probably never mentioned his betrayal of Jesus to anybody. He got his money. He got those 30 pieces of silver. He got his money, but he never mentioned it, probably. Never mentioned it to a soul. He, he took the money and ran. And that's, that's just my opinion. And I'm pretty sure that he thought uh, that all this was in secret. He got the money, kept his mouth shut, and nobody else was going to know. Not a soul was going to know. He would get those 30 pieces of silver and still be able to fellowship with Jesus. That's what he thought. He thought he was going to be able to fellowship with Jesus. Jesus didn't under, or what Judas didn't understand was who Jesus really is. And I believe there's a lot of Christians in this world right now that are just like Judas. They don't realize just who Jesus is. They go, and, and, and they may not be... Uh, sinning, they might not betray in Jesus by 30 pieces of silver, but they're still betraying Jesus by not believing and not trusting and not knowing exactly who he is because he is who he says he is. He is God in the flesh. 
Jesus Christ is all-knowing, so he knows what, what you're doing. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. All those secret sins that you got going on in your life, you might be able to hide it from people, but you ain't hiding it from Jesus. Judas couldn't hide what he was doing from Jesus. Judas probably thought he could, but it's because he didn't realize who Jesus really truly was. And so he couldn't get by with it. Jesus, Almighty God, he saw Judas's heart. He saw his intentions. He saw his mind. So he knew what was going on. He knew who it was. He already knew that the intentions, what they were. There are things that we do and things that we think in secret that are, we think that are in secret from everybody else. And they are. There's things every one of us probably has in our closet right now that is a secret. It's between me and me, but it ain't. God knows. You may take it to your deathbed. You may take it to the grave with you. But Jesus still knows what's going on. He's still seen what you've done, what's taken place. We might have thoughts that aren't clean. Might be just me thinking it. But Jesus thinks it too, or knows it too. He knows what's going through our minds. We may gossip about somebody. We might think that it's just me and so-and-so that heard it. Jesus heard it too. We might use language that a Christian shouldn't use. Jesus still hears it, and he's not pleased with it. We might even pull a fast one on somebody and, and cheat them a little bit and think that, well, you know, no one will ever know about it. It'd just be just me. Jesus knows about it. He knows about it. And I believe at some point that everybody talks about having a guilty conscience. I believe that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is going to get you down at some point and make you confess that. If you cheat somebody, he's going to make you make it right with him at some point. He's going to open your eyes. He's going to make you feel bad until you get things right with them. But as the Last Supper shows us, nothing is hidden from God. Judas thought he could get away with, with, this, uh, with this, this betrayal uh, but what he was, by what he was doing, but he soon realized he wasn't getting away with anything. He couldn't. I cannot imagine the conviction on Judas as he sat there at that table with them. I almost, I mean, I don't know what happened, but he may have turned around and thrown it up a little bit. I mean, I really think, just the conviction that was on him of knowing that Jesus knew what was getting ready to take place. May have made him sick. May have just turned his stomach. You want to know something tonight? You can't hide it from Jesus either. Whatever you got going on in your life, you can't hide it from Jesus. He sees it. He knows it. He knows your heart. He knows your intentions as well. And you've got to stop. And you've got to confess it. Let, let him forgive you. And let him, let him just forgive you so you can move on. There was a, I can't remember what show it was. I was watching one time. And it, it, had, it wasn't Bob Newhart's show, but it was a show that had Bob Newhart in it. And he was supposed to be a psychologist. And a lady come into, the, into his office and he sat down. And, or she sat down and spilled her guts about what was going on. And his his way of telling her to get over it was to stop it. And he just kept saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. Well, that's what we have to do. we got to stop it. All these sins that we got going on, all these secret sins we got going on in our life, all these things that we're doing that we think that nobody else knows about, you need to understand that Jesus knows about it, and we got to stop it. And then we got to ask him to forgive us. we got to ask him to just erase that stuff from me and not just forgive us, but help us be better Christians. Help us be better people to stop doing it in the future. Not just stop it right now. Not just erase what's in the past. But Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to make me stronger for where I don't do this anymore. 
Stop this gossip. Stop this cussing. Stop this cheating thing going on. Lord, I need you to help me. He's strong enough to do it, and he will get you through it. Stop before it destroys you just like it did Judas. Now, the third thing, the Last Supper reveals the purpose of Jesus here on earth. It reveals the purpose of Jesus here on earth. Verse 26 says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my body of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus didn't come just to teach us some good morals. He wasn't just some good teacher like some, uh, some religions teach. He wasn't just a prophet. Jesus came to do much more than that for us. Jesus came, the Bible tells us, giving his life a ransom uh, for many, for us, for us sinners. The Bible t- tells us he came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to do so much more than to just teach us uh, the golden rule and to teach us a few more commandments or to just to come and teach us about the Great Commission. He came to save us. He came to die for us. He came to, he came to be our blood sacrifice so that in this new covenant, my sins will be forgiven. So in this new covenant, your sins would be forgiven. So that in this new covenant, all sins would be forgiven. That's why he came, to forgive so that we would have that forgiveness, so that those who place their faith, so those that put their trust in him would be righteous before God because you know we couldn't get there and see him the way we are right now. Old dirty sinners ain't allowed in like that. We've got to be cleaned up. We've got to go through the blood so that we can see God face to face and so that he can say, come on in, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, come on in here. You've been washed by the blood. I love that song, Are You Washed in the Blood? I am. I can say that. I am washed in the blood. He came to die in my place. I should be on that cross. I should have died on that cross, but that didn't happen that way. He came to die in my place. He came to suffer in my place, not just suffered on that cross, but the things that took place on tonight on this Monday, Thursday. After he left and he went up to the garden and he took the three with him and then he started to suffer from that point as he's in the garden and he's praying those sweat drops of blood are falling from his face as he's praying in agony. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Thy will be done. That's Jesus. And, and he's, he's, he goes on after he's praying. And I can still see it. I've been there. I can see it where he gets down on his face and he's praying. And you can see Jerusalem straight across from the garden. And you can see the road coming down. It wasn't just a straight path to Jerusalem. It's a serpentine road. And it's at night. And I can just see those torches coming off that hill, them Roman soldiers coming, coming to get him. And the things that are going through his mind, the things that are going through his heart, and then the things that take place in the garden and the things that take place at the trial and the things that take place after the trial, the beating and the scourging and the plucking of his beard and, and the cat and nine tails and the thorn on his, thorn of, uh, crowns on his head, all that's going on in his life, all that suffering that he took upon himself, he took in my place. He took in your place. He came to shed his innocent blood in my place. I should have shed blood. My blood ain't no good. I'm A positive. That don't mean nothing. It don't mean a thing. My blood ain't no good. 
But his was perfect. His blood was absolutely perfect. If you used to go through my blood, you wouldn't get nowhere. If I was to go by anybody else's blood, I wouldn't get nowhere. But because I've gone through the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm going to get somewhere. I've got somewhere to go. He came so that I may have life eternal. Me. If it had been just me, he'd have still done it. But it ain't just me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's everybody. Whosoever shall call upon the name, on his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For all you whosoever's that are out there, that's what I wore today. My t-shirt was, are you a whosoever? That's my, that's my conversation starter right there. Are you a whosoever? I like it. People can look at me and they'll just say yes. They know what it means. Are you a whosoever? Yes. Yes, I am. Because I went through that blood. I went through that blood. He, he came to, to give me what I could never earn. Because the Lord knows I can't earn this. I can't borrow it. I can't pay for it. So he did it. He paid for it for me. He came to give me that salvation. And it wasn't just to give it to me, but it's full and free. And I've preached on it before. I, I know I have here that tetelestia, paid in full. That's what it means, paid in full. I don't owe a dime. It's all been taken care of. He put his stamp on it. Tetelestia, it's all taken care of, free from me, but it cost him his life up there on the cross. I don't owe a thing. He paid it all. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I love it. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Number four, we'll end on this one. The Last Supper reveals the promise of my eternal future. Look at verse 29 one more time. It says, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung and him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. That's Jesus. Did you hear what he said right there? Verse 29 says, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Think about that. He knew. He knew right then this was it. This is it. He's not up there right now on this day taking communion with anybody else because he made a promise right here and said, I'll not do this again until I return. He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to read it again because I love it. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So he ain't up there sipping on grape juice waiting on us. He's just sitting up there waiting on us. That's what he's doing. He's waiting on God to tell him, go get my bride. Go get your bride. Go get the church. Go get it. And then we're going to sit down. And I, I talk about it all the time up here because I, I love it. My, my great-grandma's table sitting up at mom and dad's right in the barn. It's a big old table, huge table. I remember growing up going to Grandma Macy's and sitting at that table when I got old enough to sit at that table. Big old table. They had... Ten kids. And I always think about when I get to heaven, when I get to sit down at that marriage supper of the Lamb, that, that table that I'm going to sit down is probably going to look a lot like, like Grandma Macy's table. It's going to be a big old table, and it's just going to go on for miles, both ways. And we're all going to probably 
elbow around and root people out because we want to be as close to Jesus as possible. But he ain't going to drink a drop of that wine right here, not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until we sit down with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He ain't going to touch it until we get there. And we're all going to drink of the same cup. And we're all going to drink out of that cup that Jesus has, that cup that he has. And this is a promise. Again, it's a promise from Jesus to us. He said it. And he ain't going to break that promise. He promised to celebrate that supper with his followers in the future. He promised to celebrate the next Passover meal, the Last Supper. That was his Last Supper. All right, That was his Last Supper. Now, they kept celebrating the Passover after that, but that was his Last Supper. We're going to celebrate our first one with him. Our first, that marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to get to celebrate it with him in the future. Who says there's no eternal security? Who in the world, who in their right mind can stand there and tell me that there is no eternal security? Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he says in return that I ain't going to drink this until we meet again, until we come to the Father, and it says here, to the Father's kingdom. We're secure. We're good. We're locked, we're locked up. We're secure, and we can't be taken away from it, and we can't lose it. Absolutely no way to lose it. And we're going to see it as his followers, as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians or whatever you want to call yourselves, followers of Jesus, and we're going to get to sit with him at that great marriage supper. And what a meal it's going to be. What a feast it's going to be. It is a promise of sitting with Jesus in the kingdom of God. That's his promise. We will sit together. There's no kids' table. Right there. You don't have to go outside and eat under the carport. You don't have to go find you a corner in the living room because everything else is filled up. He's got one table and seat room enough for all of us. Tons of room. And if you ain't been saved, there's an empty spot up there for you right now. He's holding you a chair. He's got one set aside just for you. But you just got to ask him into your heart so that you can sit there when it's your time. Ponder on that tonight. Think about that chair. There is a chair for you. There's a chair for every one of us. And there's still plenty of room up there. It ain't full. It ain't full yet. Have you got your spot? Have you got your spot there at the table? The promise he made is mine. That promise he made is yours. If you've given your heart to him. If you've only given your heart to him. Tomorrow's is going to be a good Friday. Or I remember Abby called it one time when she was really little. She called it Great Friday. And it is that. It's a great Friday. It's an awesome Friday because of what's getting ready to take place. Tomorrow, I think most people are going to be off anyway, but take time tomorrow to reflect on it. You go back in your Bible and you read what took place as he drug that cross down that hill and up that hill and down that road. And they set him, nailed him on it, pierced his hands, pierced his feet, put that crown on him, dropped him in that hole for that, that cross to go in. All that took place on that cross for you. Think about I want you to read it tomorrow. We'll do devotions in the morning as usual. But I want you to really, sometime tomorrow, really sit down and read it. And we'll be back here uh, Sunday morning, and we're going to do a sunrise service, and, and we're going to look at it again. But really take tomorrow and, and, and think about what he done for us.
Let's pray. Father, tonight, again, we, we want to thank you for the opportunity, uh, Lord, to, to reflect back on this last meal that you had with your disciples. Lord, I, I pray that each one of us has taken the time to, to really ponder on our own situations. Lord, all the secret sins that we have in our lives, all the things that we have done in the past that we've never asked forgiveness from, from someone else, but Father, also the, the fact that we ain't asked forgiveness from you. God, I pray that tonight we can do that. We can stop what we're doing, knowing that you know what's going on in our hearts. And Lord, we just ask you to forgive us of that. God, tonight as we closed out, as it was mentioned, there's, there's plenty of room at that table for others. And Father, I pray tonight if, if anyone's heard this message and they do not have that, that security, they do not have uh, the, that, that time and that place in their life where they came to know you, Father, I pray that they would do that tonight. Lord, tonight, what a night to, right now, this Easter holiday, what a time to just to stop, get down on their face, and ask God to forgive them and to save them. And Lord, we know that you've prepared a place for us. The Bible tells us that. He said, if I go away, if I go to prepare a place, that you're going to come back for us. So each one of us has that place prepared, and we each want to have that chair at the table with our name on it just waiting. Father, I pray tonight as we close out that those that hear it, if they don't have it, Lord, they'd get it tonight. They'd get that salvation. They'd get things right with you. We love you and you praise you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll be back tomorrow morning with a devotion and then back Sunday morning uh, for sunrise service. Be born, oh, you must be.